Hello and welcome to Bible Marathon. We're all about learning how to read the Bible, about spiritual gifts and giving proper defense and explanation for what we believe as Christians. The goal is to progress with joy in the faith and without further ado, let's get into the word. All right. Awesome. Awesome. We're going to have an amazing time today because we just got into the month of February. How many of you are excited for this month? This is the month where, you know, there are different kinds of tension wires, you know, high tension wire, low tension wires. You know, some of you will go on Instagram and you'll just be frustrated. You're going to use all the um, prepositions, is it prepositions or what they call those things? Pronouns, question pronouns. When, God, when, God, God, why, God, <laughs> you know, you're going to have a lot of different spices. Some of you would doubt yourselves, you know, we're in that age where a lot of the information we have is not something we've worked hard to get. It's the information that comes to us so quickly. And that's a dangerous thing because um, when you get informed by the world, often, it has a way of training you, and you might not realize that that's what's happening, but it has a way of molding you. And, and then one day you wake up and you do something that you never thought you could do, and you're like, how? How did that, how did that come from me? But it's what you're exposed to. And I think what I just want to say to us is that this month, resolve, all right? Resolve to do love God's way. Resolve to understand love God's way. And be resilient when you have any contrary idea from the love of Christ. What that means, practically speaking, is you're waiting for someone to ask you out. That person has not asked you out. But then you go on IG and you see a friend of yours being proposed to. Guess what love does? Love rejoices. I'm speaking to someone here. Love rejoices. You are excited for that person. Genuinely, not that you're making it up. You are excited that, yes, this is beautiful. And you're not the person that says, ah, don't worry, my time is coming. No, you're not going to respond like that because that's another Christianese, you know, to t- take the, the, the accolades to yourself or change direction to yourself. No, you're going to genuinely love that person, appreciate them and care for them because that's what Jesus did for us. He wasn't thinking about what he would get in return primarily. He saw that we we're doomed and he sent set up a plan which is the salvation that we all celebrate today praise the name of jesus all right so this month instead of joining the parade of let's talk about love by the way we're going to talk about love all right we're going to have a special couple that's going to talk to us you know all of that stuff as we always do but primarily we we've been on a series for the whole year which is back to the basics but this month we're getting to a theme called these three, these three. What does that mean? We're going to find out as we go on. But there's one very important number in the Bible, and I'm sure you figured, you found out yourself. Almost every time you read the Bible, hi, Bolu, good to see a video on and see if I like seeing people, even who don't know that I like seeing you. So if you need to like put on your beauty or something and then put on your camera after, Please do it. Nice to see you. Good. That's that's good. Nice to see you. Hi, Jemima. Awesome. So I really want you to... I mean, when you open the scriptures... I almost lost my train of thought. You open the scriptures and what do you see immediately? 
Um, almost every book has something about the number three. It's just weird. Jesus rose three days, you know. You know, it's, it, three is everywhere. It's very weird. And we'll talk about why that's the case some other time. But we, we decided this month, let's look at some of the threes that happen in Scripture, that occur in Scripture, and build our foundation on those basics. So today... I'm not the one teaching. I'm here to learn. I have my notes. I'm ready to listen. And I want you to do the same with me. I have the privilege of inviting to the stage a sister of mine, a dear sister of mine, a longtime follower and member of Bible Marathon Group. I want you guys to do it the BMG way. Unmute yourselves right now and welcome to the stage, Jemima Quadri. Can we do that right now? Welcome, Jemima. Welcome, Jemima. All right. So I'm going to. Um, so my, what's happening? I'm hearing something. Okay, I think we're good. All right. So um, we are going to learn together about a topic she's going to introduce. I don't want to do that part for her, but I want us to be ready. A lot of the things you hear, you feel like you're ready. You look really nice, Jemima. By the way, you look really good. Um, and I, I really want you guys to be ready. There are some things you've heard before, but challenge yourself. Like, maybe I don't really know what this means. So let me listen and learn. All right. So I want you to be ready and pay close attention. Let's pray for her real quick. And then she'll take up, um, take off. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we are here in obedience to your word. You said, do not forsake the gathering of yourselves together as is the manner of some. Um, but as we see the day approaching, come together. That's what you told us. So we're doing that. We're doing that because it honors you. We're doing that because it edifies us. So Lord, I ask that you will speak through our speaker today. You will lead her. You will remove every fear from her or from the listener. And you will replace that with a reception to your word, an honor for your word that would leave us transformed. Thank you, precious Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Over to you, Jemima. Thank you so much, Pastor Ernest. Good evening, everyone. Oh my God, it's been such a long time. Good evening, Fair. Hi, Alan. Hi, every other person that I've not exactly seen your face before or your name. Hi, new folks. Hi, old folks. A privilege to be here. It's a privilege to be here. I've been on Bible Marathon Group, I think, since 2020. 2021. So, I mean, it's a huge privilege that Pastor Ernest will ask me to do this. Um, so, I just want to say welcome to, you know, the month of love. Welcome to February. And as Pastor Ernest has said, this month we're going to be talking about these three. And today, I don't know if you saw the banner. I feel like, I, I think I look really good in that banner, by the way. Um, we're going to talk about these three by that's faith, hope, and love according to um, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13. So I just want to say a quick prayer before we start. I know we're already free. So in the name of Jesus, I thank you that as your word comes forth, it is rewritten in the heart of everyone who hears, everyone who listens in the name of the Lord Jesus. And your word, your word takes root in our hearts and it bears fruit in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. All right, family. We are going to be talking about faith, hope, and love. And it's very interesting that, I mean, according to 
that scripture, they'll, you know, arrange the three of them like that. But just before we go in into like the you know definition of these terms and you know while we're talking about these terms, we're going to read first Corinthians 13, verse 13. It says, and now abide faith, hope, and love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Um I'm going to ask a question and I crave everyone's indulgence. So please answer it how, however you deem fit. Whatever comes to your mind, please just send the chats or something. So when we talk about faith, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? What's the definition of faith? This question is for everybody. It's not, I'm not just going to, you know. So. Ademola, goodness, Ife, Alan, strong belief. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Okay. Any other person? Trust. Awesome. Yeah. Oh. Okay. That's all. I mean, anything. Trust in God's plan, substance of things. So far. Oh, come on. You're reading the book of Hebrews. How about according to your definition? Okay, fine. Trust in God's plan and sovereignty. Yes, substance of things hope for evidence of things not seen. Your yeah, belief in something, especially when you can't see it. Awesome, awesome. These are amazing, you know, definitions, and I'm so glad that our hearts are inclined to in this direction. Assurance, okay, nice. And I'm so glad our hearts are inclined to this direction. So the main reason why I'm going to give a definition for what faith is is because you know. We're going back to the basics. I'm not going to assume that, you know, we know it, you know, just to, you know, master the basics so we can, you know, go uh, grow from there. So um, according to this First Corinthians 13, 13, and Apostle Paul writing to the church in Corinth, he says, and now abide faithful charity or faithful and love, these three, but the greatest of these three is love. I want us to, bear in mind or put the context of this scripture in mind. Apostle Paul was writing to the church in Corinth. He's writing to, he's not writing to unbelievers. He's writing to the believers. He's writing to people who have demonstrated the gift of the spirit. I mean, they have the spirit living inside of them. So like, I mean, we're rest assured that these, hum, these people rather, you know, share the same faith that we do. But the main reason why he was writing the letter um, or why he wrote the letter to the church in Corinth was to address some certain excesses that the church had. And he, and I mean, reading this, reading this book in retrospect after this verse, you see that he's trying to correct these excesses using these three things we're going to talking about this evening, faith, hope, and love. So we're going to see why in the first place he mentioned, you know, he's trying to use these things to correct the excesses that the church had at that time. So faith, according to the Bible, Hebrews 11 verse one, it shows the reality of things we hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It is the reality of things we hope for, it's the evidence of things we cannot see. So faith is not, is not, um, is not doing what, you know, it's not doing something how will I put it now? Faith is in what you do, basically, to get God to bless you or to do something for you. Faith is more of a response to God's grace or God's gift of grace. So 
there has to have been something provided, something that God has already done that you respond in faith. So faith is not faith is not based on feelings. It's not, I'm glad nobody says feelings. <laughs> faith is not, it's not feelings because I mean feelings are fickle, let's be honest. Faith is in is in how will I put it? It's not shaky. It's based, it's not just, it's not just based on, you know, it's like. On a general level, faith is believed that somebody is well able to deliver what he says that he's going to do. So, like, it shows the reality of things we hope for, evidence we cannot see. For example, say um, you go to a TV store, you want to buy a TV. I mean, you've already bought the TV. They are yet to bring it from, you know, the storage room to put inside your car. So, I mean, you're just standing there waiting for them to, you know, go through the whole process. But what's like, what's the evidence, in quotes, that you purchased a TV? You don't have to be the receipt in your hand. That's faith. The evidence, it shows the reality of things hoped for. Evidence you have not seen it yet, I mean, but you know you bought a TV, right? Okay. So, faith gives substance, sorry, faith gives substance to your hope. It gives substance to your hope. And studying this um, chapter, studying this particular verse, I got to understand that that word substance basically means it gives a ground or foundation to the things you are hoping for. Okay, faith is a dependence on it's it's dependence on God. Faith is dependence on God through acts of obedience and trust. I'm just going to talk about. Um, our father of the faith, or the father in the faith, father of the faith, yes, Abraham. Um, Abraham was, I mean, reading the Bible now, I mean, the the activities he carried out, if I dare say so, it, it looks like daring feats of faith. Like, I mean, okay, take for example, the fact that um, Hebrews 11 verses 8, I believe, Hebrews 11, verses 8. Um, I think it says, it was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave his home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. Thank you so much. And he went out not knowing where he was going. I mean, it's very easy to read this in retrospect and be like, oh, crazy, nice, 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 nice. But do you understand that when Abraham left his, I mean, he left a lot of things behind. He left his family, I mean his parents, because he took his wife and his servants. He left um, his heritage. I mean, he, he left everything that he has grown to know because <laughs> I was going to say because a, a voice told him to, to leave everything and go, but I mean, God told him, Pam, you are going to leave your family and you are going to go to a place where I'm going to send you. And it's interesting because I mean, I mean, now we know the end of the story. We know that, oh, he got to a land and God said, as far as your eyes can see, I'm going to give you. Do you understand that when he left um, his father, he left his mom, he left everything he has gone to know, he did not know where he was going to. Exactly, that's what he must have felt like. He did not know where he was going to. He was just acting out, not acting out, but carrying out what the instruction was. And it's interesting because, I mean, like I initially said, faith is, is um, sorry, right? It's a, it's a big decision. I mean, 
thinking about it now, some I mean, somebody threw a question recently. I was like, what if God just asks you, uh, leave everything that you have and, I don't know, go to a place that I'll send you. <laughs> I'm not saying that I cannot do it too, but like I'm saying that it's, you know, it's, it's crazy. I mean, you start worrying about every other thing. And it's not as if Abraham did not have a reason to worry. I mean, he had a reason to worry. I think I'm using that mean so much. I'm so sorry. Um, so, like I initially said, faith is a, is a dependence on God through acts of obedience and trust. So Abraham showed his faith in what God had asked him to do in the sense that he first obeyed and then he carried out what God asked him to do. He first obeyed that, oh, God said, I should leave this place and go somewhere. He packed his load and he moved. That's obedience. And then an action followed as a result of that faith he had. All right. So, um, like I initially said, faith is a response to God's gift of grace. I'm sorry, I'm just looking through my notes just so, you know, I don't exactly. Um, so I'm going to read Hebrews 11, verse 11. Hebrews 11, verse 11. So before it's projected, I just want us to see that there are three actions resulting from the faith, um, from this faith scripture. I think this chapter, this particular chapter, spoke about Abraham three to four times. And in these verses, we see that, you know, it's written here again. By faith, Abraham herself also received strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child when she was past the age because, you know, she judged him faithful who has promised. Thinking about it, right? If you walk up to a 99-year-old woman or a 90-year-old woman and tell her, oh, you're going to bear a child. Like, according to Genesis, she laughed. It's not like, I, I mean, she had heard the promise before. But at this particular time, she was like, she, I mean, she was like, in her mind, I'm getting old. So I don't know how this is going to be possible. But she laughed. But yeah, we see that by faith, Sarah received, also received strength to conceive her seed. Faith is, isn't just how I put it. It's having complete trust that the one who has promised is well able to do what he says he will do. Take, for example, say, um, let's see. I want to use a real estate that makes you know, good on his promises. Uh, I don't know how people's uncles are, but take, for example, your uncle asks you to, your uncle asks you to develop or design a flyer. It's not as if you cannot do it. Well, maybe he cannot do it or just wanted to give him money anyways. And he says, okay, design this plan. I'm going to give you 300 bucks. But you've not received the money yet, right? But you go out of your way and design this flyer, make it as beautiful as possible. Why are you doing that? It's because you understand, it's because you believe that what he has said he will do, he's going to make good on it, okay? Abraham had evidence of things not seen. Um, reading, um, reading, sorry, I'm just looking for the particular chapter. Um, Hebrews 11, verse 17. See, see that God instructed Abraham to sacrifice his only son. And I mean, reading Genesis, Abraham, the next, the, it's the next morning, 
the next morning, he carried his son, bundled the guy with his servant, left the servant at one point, and you know, went to do what God has said he should do. And we see that Hebrews reading it, we were like, oh, we might not understand why he did it in that point in time, or at that point in time, rather. Why he did it at that point in time? What was it that, you know, that just motivated this man to carry his only, mind you, he's been waiting on this child for basically all his life. And this one, in fact, the way God gave the instruction was, it was when he says, take thy son, thy only son whom you love, so that you are sure that this one I'm telling you to carry and go and sacrifice. Now I'm reading it in hindsight. I don't understand why he just carried his son and carried him to go and you know offer him to as a sacrifice. But in Hebrews 11 verse 17, we understand why he did this. He said, "Okay." He said, um, "Take now. Thank you so much. Take now." What's going on? By by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, he offered up Isaac. He who he who had received the promise offered up his only begotten son. Do you mind going to the next verse for me, please? Okay. Of whom it was said, In Isaac shall your shall your seed, um, in Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. So we see that, I mean, Genesis did not explain this part to us that, oh, Abraham thought that, you know, or he believed that, I mean, if God said, in Isaac shall my seed be called, then if God is asking me to sacrifice him, then it means that God is able to raise him up to get. Because God's word doesn't fall to the ground. Not like fall to the ground. I mean, Abraham has, has evidence. Hey. Sorry, Abraham has evidence that, you know, God makes due on his promises. And he just believed that, I mean, if God said, in Isaac shall my seed be called, then if God is asking exactly, that was what he thought was going to happen. Then if God is asking him, me to sacrifice him, then God is going to raise him up. I think that was the confidence assurance or confident assurance that he had. To see that Abraham's faith was not based on feelings. It wasn't equal. It was grounded. It was, it was based on trust in God. Trust that, that you know, God is well able to make you on what he has said. Even when he had to leave his, his family, he left everything that he, he had grown to know, grown to know, you know. He left everything behind to a land he, he doesn't even know where it is. Just move, basically. He did not know where the land was. It's your own point until he got to that point that God was like, okay, here, 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 here is where I'm going to give you. I mean, it's crazy faith. And it's 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 something that God will have us imbibe. So I I mentioned that faith isn't just mental acceptance of certain truths, it's having complete trust. It doesn't it doesn't it doesn't just stay in the realm of knowledge. It goes beyond that. So we see that, I mean, Abraham had faith that God was going to make the what he said he was going to do. But not only did he just, you know, oh, the knowledge that, okay, have faith in God. He, he obeyed what God said and he acted upon it. Hallelujah. Amen. So, okay. So I just want to emphasize that the whole point of Hebrews 11 
right? Hebrews 11 was basically to give us an example of what faith looks like. Because in the chapters we see, or in the verses we see, oh, by faith, this person did this. By faith, this person did this, giving us an illusion. Faith, an object, and an action, basically. So faith does. Faith does. It is the whole point. I mean, it's a response to what God does. So faith is an action word, basically, if you dare say so, I mean, according to what we've read or what Hebrews 11 has shown. Faith is an action word. Faith does. is a response to what, you know, God has said. All right. I think um, Pastor Ennis wants to add something. Can you guys hear me? So yes, we can. I, I yes, we can. I'm on this because, like, she, I mean, these are heavy things that Jemima is saying. Heavy things. And I just want to make sure that they are sinking in. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to, you know, ask a question but before we move to the next part and I'll let her continue. And think, think on this while I'm explaining something. Um, what does faith look like in your life? So you've seen the example of Abraham, right? And just like she mentioned, by the way, I want to emphasize that. She, anytime uh, Hebrews 11 says, by faith, someone, there's a verb right after it. So you see, by faith, Abraham what obeyed. What, uh, faith, by faith, Sarah herself received strength to conceive child. Let's look at another person. By faith, Noah, divinely warned by, you know, of things yet not seen, moved. So that's like, you cannot say someone has faith and nothing follows that faith. Look at this. By faith, Abel offered. <laughs> so like, I think the writer is very intentional about saying there is something that must prove what you believe. And that's what Jemima was saying at the very beginning. Faith is the substance. It's a tangible thing that proves something that is intangible. The evidence of things you cannot see. That's, that's so huge. So I want you guys in the chat right now. Give me an example of what faith looks like in your life. I know it's very ambiguous, but think. Like, is there just an example of one thing that you've done and that is called faith? Abel offered a sacrifice. Noah built an ark. Abraham left his family. Like, what, did, what have you done? <laughs> That's my question. What have you done that looks like faith? For some people, I don't want to help you. I want you to think. I, I feel like if I say something now, you will copy it. So... Think about it real quick. I, d I don't want us to rush through this. Jemima has a lot of notes, rich notes. But I want to make sure that we are pausing and we are... I love that. <laughs> so let me just tell you because I know she said it privately, but I think I want to say it publicly. Jemima texted me privately. She said, this is faith. And you don't know how powerful that is. You'll find out at the end. But I get you very, very... A, a whole lot. Um... Okay, if I says relocating to the US was a massive, massive, what's wrong with my English today? Massive leap of faith. Okay, so action that proves your belief is faith. I obeyed the Lord when I was posted to Edo State for my NYSC. Ha, Omo, that one, some people will fight you because when they saw you were posted to 
I don't mention this state now. But they heard we're going to Nasarawa and say, Ah, <laughs> please redeploy me. All right, reading my Bible. That is such a powerful example of faith. As simple as that is, that's a powerful statement. Because do you know what it means, Bolo, that you read your Bible? You, you are basically saying you believe that it means it's important. That's one. Number two is about a God that you've not seen before, but you believe. That's faith. It's as simple as that, guys. I want to see a few more, then we'll move on. What have you done that is an evidence of things not seen? You've not seen God, but you have evidence that he's alive, and so you are doing something. You know, for many, going to church, right? Okay, so people are saying, um, choosing not to worry. I love that. That's a good one from Jessica. Why would you not worry? Because you have evidence of something not seen. If I tell you everything is going to be okay at the end, you would not worry. If you really trusted and believed that everything would be fine, you wouldn't worry. Because it would be silly. Like, if you really believed that everything is going to be all right, you wouldn't worry. Um, choosing to go back to school. Okay. Like, I want you to see that these actions, when you say you're going back to school, what, what is it? What is, the, what is informing that decision? That's when I'll say it's faith. All right. I just want to make sure we, ha- we have the right definition. Um, choosing to stay home with my children for their foundational years than to go back to work. That is so powerful because it means that she could have gone back to work, but she sees that there is a need to do something with those children. And that is informed by her faith. That's powerful stuff. Seasons of waiting when you feel God is late, right? Waiting is an act of faith. Being patient is an act of faith. If I say I'm coming and you wait for me, it's because you believe that I'm coming. (laughs) right it's as simple as this and i want you to really i'm doing this exercise because it it should help you think getting on a flight without panicking that one eh? i agree (laughs) because you know god is holding the airplane amen (laughs) um okay i got this one privately my total trust in god moving by his directive i lived my life believing in the totality of his word as far as there is a god then i continue moving forward absolutely Choosing not to worry about the cost of relocation. Excellent. Because you know God will supply, right? God, My God will supply all my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So faith is a response to God's word. I love this. All right. Uh, letting go of a guy because God... See, that one. See, I'm giving you hugs. That is one of the hardest things to do. But you've done it and you know you're doing it for the right reason. And it's based on a hope of what God has said. All right, I'm going to pause here. I want you guys to keep thinking, you know, because this is practically what we're talking about. Faith is not this grandiose thing. It's like, I believe God said something, so I act this way. And when they ask me, why am I acting this way? Oh, God said this. Have you seen God before? No, but you believe that's faith. All right, Jemima, back to you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Pastor Ernest. Thank you, Pastor Ernest. Okay, so I just wanted to add that, you know, um, concerning faith, um, faith is trusting God, what God has said, regardless of the seeming, you know, inconsistencies. So take for example, God says, "I'm a holy nation, I'm a peculiar people. You are sanctified, and you are sanctified." And one day you wake up and be like, "Oh God, I'm struggling with so much inconsistencies that it doesn't feel like, you know, what God says." 
is true concerning me. Faith is choosing to believe that, you know, if God has said this, then it is true. If 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 God has said he's a healer, right, regardless of how much or how long I've had this particular infirmity, I'm going to trust for healing because God has said he's a healer and I trust him to heal me. Praise Jesus. All right. So, marching it's not exactly a disconnection or a different topic. Sorry, I'm so sorry. It's not exactly a disconnection or a different topic. It's basically, you see how, you know, faith, hope, and love are intertwined. So, to hope. Uh, it was very interesting because I didn't understand this word properly or in the right context up until very recently. And I'm going to ask, you guys, what you think hope is? I mean, in the country where I'm in, when somebody says, "Oh, um, are you are you coming to, for example, are you coming for me to be like, I hope I'm able to. Is it going to rain today? I hope it rains, or I hope it doesn't rain. Like, there's this. Oh, I'm not going to give it out, but please send um send comments on what you think. You know. Hope looks like uh, or hope is or your definition of hope. I am waiting, supposed to be interactive, guys. <clears throat> what is hope? What do you think hope is? Please, nobody should tell me hope is hope. And please don't hear me. Oh my god. Oh, thank you, Alan. That's such a nice thing. Thank you. Um, I think hope is to look ahead to something coming. Oh, that was nice. That is nice. That is nice. Okay. And this is very important. The fact that you said look ahead to something coming. But we're just going to keep that aside and at the end of everything. Hope is faith. Hope is faith. Okay. Ooh, looking at future with optimism. Ah, yeah, basically. Uh, being expectant, yeah. Hope is to wait and believe that something will happen. Um, Iana, I just wanted to ask you, with this definition, hope is to wait and believe that something will happen. Are you believing based on assurance? Or you are you are doing it on a ground that is not solid? Do you understand what I mean? Hope is having a confidence expectation for something in the future great 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 it's basically almost the same thing everyone is saying just in different you know in different words based on something that has already been established this is nice Yanu. this is nice okay so hope the belief or expectation ah somebody has gone to open dictionary okay the belief or expectation that something wished for can or will happen hope it is, is it will? Faith is now. Ah, okay. All right. I don't, that last part is low-key confusing. That part is low-key confusing. But I mean, please stick with me to the end of this note so that you understand. Um, so according to the um, dictionary definition of the word hope, we see it holds no guarantee that what you are hoping for is going to happen. So, like I said, well, I hope it rains tomorrow. I mean, there's no guarantee that it's going to rain tomorrow. Well, like, what's the guarantee? 
God tell me if he was going to read. Uh, no. So it's according to the dictionary definition of the word hope, it shows it, it holds no guarantee, basically. Just give me a quick minute, please. Sorry about that. <clears throat> All right. So hope, according to, I mean, the, the scriptures, the scriptures are, repl are replete with hope. My apologies. I don't know what's wrong with my tongue. But the scriptures are replete with hope. And we see this word repeated consistently throughout the New Testament. Ask the question, what does this mean? Does it mean the same thing we feel like hope can happen? It might not. Exactly. Does dictionary definition of the word hope is based on uncertainty, it's not guaranteed. It might happen, it might not happen. It's probability, basically. But according to scriptures, we see that hope simply put is expectation to see something come to pass. So I'm expecting to see something come to pass. Based on our definition of hope, I'm sorry, of faith. Faith is the substance of things hope for evidence of things not seen, right? So faith is the substance of things expected to come to pass, the evidence of things we have not seen. Faith is an expectation for something to come to pass or substance of things expected to come to pass, the evidence of things we cannot see yet. Okay, so I'm going to read um, Romans chapter four verses. Hold on. Before we read Romans chapter four verses 18, uh, I feel I'm going to have to, you know, dive deeply into this. So I'm going to do it after. But let's read um, Romans chapter 5, verse 5. Romans 5, verse 5. Hmm. I was just going to do a quick Bible study. <laughs> um, Romans 5, verse 5. He says, Now hope does not disappoint, because the hope of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, who was given to us. Hope does not disappoint. This goes against, you know, the dictionary definition of the word hope because, I mean, based on the dictionary definition of the word hope, it may disappoint, it may not. But this one, there's a guarantee that it will not disappoint. And reading this, I'm not, before I read it in context, I'm just, you know, dissect this whole uh, verse. It says, because the love of God I mean, this is the assurance that hope will not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. This is the assurance we have that this hope will not disappoint because something had been done. Hope is not the same as longing. It's not a feeling. It's not, it's not desiring. Hope is based on reliable facts. Hope is based on reliable facts. We know that this hope that we or we know that what we're believing for, like I initially said, hope is expectation to see something come to pass. The expectation, the, the thing I know that, oh, I'm expecting this to happen and I'm assured that it's going to happen, is based on this reliable fact that God has poured out his, you know, Holy Spirit to us upon our hearts. I'm just going to read um Romans chapter five in context. And I mean, it's easy to say, 
it, I'm, I'm laughing because I had a discussion with Pastor Ernest about this. <laughs> so Romans chapter five verses. Thank you so much. Verses one two three. We see here. Um, what is what is this hope that he keeps talking about? What is this hope that he, what is this hope that we're believing for? Do you get? And he says Romans, Romans chapter five verses one to three says therefore having been justified by faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we also sorry through whom also we have access by faith into this grace and because we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand rather and because we have this because we have access by by faith into this grace by which we stand our reaction is we rejoice. Rejoice in the hope of glory of the glory of God. Quick question: What is the hope of the glory of God? What is this hope of the glory of God? Please send in your, you know, what you think it is by um with the comments. And he says, We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulations produce perseverance. What is the hope of the glory of God? And perseverance, character, character, hope. I think of um. And then we come to this verse that says, now hope does not disappoint. So what is this hope? What is the hope of the glory? What is this glory that it is talking about? Anyone? I mean, it basically says that every Christian has this assurance of, of this hope of glory. Thank you, Jessica. Thank you. Salvation of our souls. I'd really love to ask, you know. Thank you, Pastor Thank you, Pastor Ines. I'd really love to ask, what do you mean by that? By the salvation of our souls, the salvation of our bodies. Ah, this is very interesting. Yeah. yeah. So, so, just one more comment. Just one more comment, then I'm going to, you know, write on with the notes. Bride. Bride and bridegroom celebration. Okay. So, every Christian has this assurance of hope. And based on, based on, you know, based on, you know, Verses one to three. What is communicated in Romans eight? What is communicated in what Romans eight? What is communicated in Romans eight? Thank you. Every Christian has this. Assurance. Every Christian has this assurance of. I think I'm oh. going to pull out my. I think KJV I'm going to pull out my KJV just so. There's no need for that already. There's no need for that already. So hope in Christ. So hope in Christ. The hope in Christ. Is this the hope of, of the glory of God? We see most times in the New Testament when we see hope of, of God's glory, hope of the glory of God. It's basically referring to one thing. It's referring to new creation realities. New creation realities in the sense that, you know, the manifestation basically of new creation realities. In the sense that, I mean, we receive salvation. Or are not fully. Should I say we're not fully saved? I, like I, don't, fully saved. I don't want to throw contract there. You know, before somebody shouts, I'm heretic. I'm sorry. I'm I'm driving somewhere. So we know that. I mean, we received this gift of grace through faith, right? The fact that the Holy Spirit dwells in us, and now we are we are we belong to God, and not only that, we have an assurance. That something is going to happen. It hasn't happened yet. This is the hope of glory. The fact that when we get to see him, or yeah, basically when we get to see him, we are changed into his nature as well. In the sense that this 
mortality will be swallowed up in immortality, in lack of a better way to put it. This is this is the hope that we have. This is what we, we are, this is the hope of glory that we're going to be transformed in the sense that, like exactly, perfection of of Christ in man or of God. Okay. Sorry. Uh, I kind of lost my train of thought. Uh, okay, yeah. That, you know, mortality will be swallowed up in mortality. We'll get our new body. I mean, I mean, now we are, we don't have this we don't have this new body. We're still in our flesh, right? But the hope is that one day this flesh is going to be taken up and we're going to have our glorified bodies. And as it is, so are we going to be. Okay? The glory of God is basically the revelation of the sons of God. I mean, it will come to a time, or I mean, the Bible has told us that a time is coming where the sons of God will be revealed to the world. I mean, now we are walking on the street every day, and I mean, nobody can ex- exactly say, well, that, oh, that it's not so obvious that these ones carry God or these ones are the sons of God, you get. So most times, glory is oftentimes used to refer to the resurrection. Um, Pastor Ines, do you mind? I want to I want to add and that that's that's so powerful. I want to add something to to what she said in line with something that Olayton said in the chat. I'm sure before now you were like you know there are a lot of Christianities we use right in the body of Christ. We just say glory, uh, resurrection, sanctification, all these things, and we really don't know the meaning, you know. And sometimes it's as simple as a five-letter word like glory, and I think it's important that we, we, we understand what Jemima is saying here. Look at Romans, and it's a question I have for you as well. Romans chapter 8. Very popular verse, but I don't know if you've ever really understood what was being said there. Romans 8.19. Can you guys see my screen? In fact, some people, this if you follow me on IG, you know where I got my my handle from for the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. Now, if you've read it in the KJV, this is what you would see for the earnest expectation of the creature waited for the manifestation of the sons of God. And what you find out a lot of preachers do with this text is God is waiting for you to manifest. The time is coming for you to manifest in life, right? You know, Manifest your gifts, your calling, your talents, and you preach, preach, preach. And I'm like, oh my God, that's off the context. In fact, it's the very opposite <laughs> of what they are teaching. So look at this text again, and you see the connection to what Jemima is teaching. Because when we talk about hope, biblical hope is synonymous with assurance. What are we assured of? It says, for the earnest expectation, meaning there is an earnest longing, waiting of the creature. It says, waited for the manifestation of the sons of God. What does manifestation of the sons of God mean? Who can tell me? Chat, you guys. What does it, what is the meaning of manifestation of the sons of God? Is it, it's time for us to manifest? 
you know, take all the mountains, seven mountain prophecies in business, in, in education. Is that what this text is about? I love it. You guys are Bible scholars. New bodies. And I'll show you why it's new bodies. Because they are like, new bodies? What? So, just like Jemima was saying, when we walk on the street, have you ever wondered, like, when you go to church sometimes, it has happened to me before. I'll go in church, you know, I'm excited, glory. I feel like I'm on top of the, of everything. Like, I'm so spiritual. Like, oh my God, like, Jesus is here. The angels are here. You know that experience, right? And then you walk out. Monday, you're at the office. It's like, I'm just a normal worker like all these other people, right? Or I'm just a normal student. And sometimes you get angry, they get angry with you. It's just like, that experience has worn down. Like, it's, you know, was it, was it really as special as it was? The whole idea is that there is coming a time when the whole world will recognize who you truly are. You're not just an ordinary worker at the office. You're not just an ordinary lady walking on the streets. Just like Jesus was not easily recognized until he got his new body. When he was still on the earth, the Bible says they they didn't know him. They didn't recognize him. All right. Now, how do I know this is what this is talking about? Look at the previous verse. Look at verse 18. It says, for I reckon, this is Paul talking, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time, what are the sufferings of this present time? Sicknesses, famine, nakedness, sword, peril, trouble, persecution. He said, they are not worthy to be compared to the what? Glory. What is he comparing it with? A life where there is no pain, no sickness, no struggle. Do you understand? So that is the hope. And so just to, to remove every sense of, you know, heresy that some people might think Jemima was heading towards because she was saying that, ah, I'm begging you, I'm not heretic. Now, here's what she was trying to say. Ha. <laughs> See how my heart is beating, but I'll, I'll, I'll explain it. What we have now, dear believer, is assurance of salvation. We don't have the fullness of salvation yet. Let me, let me prove that to you. And, and you'll get where I'm going with this. Ephesians chapter 1 from verse 13. What have you done? You have put your faith. Right? In him also you trusted. That's faith. After you heard the word of truth. And then he says, the gospel of your salvation. After you believed, what did God do? Did he just save you? Look at what the Bible actually says. It says, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And what is the Holy Spirit of promise? NIV. Who is a deposit guaranteeing your inheritance? The hope. Are you seeing how it's connected? The hope of your redemption. Until. When you say until, what does it mean? It hasn't happened. So the Christian is somebody that is living their lives fully trusting that what God said will happen at the end will happen. That's what you are reading here. And how did he prove that he would do it? He gave us his Holy Spirit as a deposit. I'm coming back for you. I'm coming back. Take this deposit. And same thing in Romans 8. The Romans we're reading before. Romans 8. If you look at what he says in um, verse 14... It says, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. 
for you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. And then look at what it says if we, when we cross over to verse 20. You know, the whole world is waiting for God to be revealed, for the new bodies to be seen. There's a com- Let me tell you this. Maybe you don't have this in your eschatology. But when Christ appears, your body will be changed. All those pimples will disappear. All those stress that you've been wearing, all that, that joint that was weak will be changed in an instant because that will be the redemption of the sons of God. That's what, that's what it really means. That's what we're waiting for. Right now, what are we experiencing? The creation is subject to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the one that subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated. That's what we're waiting for, guys. Look at verse 21. Liberated from its bondage to decay that brought into and brought into the glorious freedom. Notice, he's using the same terminology, glory, glorious freedom of the children of God. And what is that freedom? Who can tell me what that freedom looks like in this context? From liberated from bondage to decay into the glorious freedom. What's the glorious freedom here? Eternal life. Eternal life. What we have now can decay. What we are going to have will not decay. It's simple English, like, but you have to flow with the context. All right. So that's just, I just really wanted to hit on that. So you understand that what we have as believers is hope and assurance. And that hope will not disappoint. So it's, it's, it's very much what we have. That's why we can rightly say we are saved. Are we saved right now in our bodies? No. Are we completely saved in our souls? Not necessarily. That's happening. It's a process. But there is coming a time when it will be final. Praise God. All right. So, Jeremiah, back to you. See, I'm ready, <laughs> ready preaching. <laughs> Lord. All right. Love you guys. Let's pray real quick. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you because the week we are going into right now is blessed. We have the favor of the Lord on every side. There is strength for us. We walk by faith, not by sight. We trust. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And we walk in love. We walk in love to everyone around us. First, expressing our love to God who gave us life. And then to others around us, proving that we truly love the Father and the Son. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We give you praise and glory. Thank you for Jemima. Her strength is renewed. And there is more wisdom to do even more. And for everyone here who has a ministry expression, Lord, there is strength for them. There is wisdom for them. They will not slide. They will not falter. They will stay strong in faith, giving glory to you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. All right. Thank you guys for tuning in. Hey there. So we've come to the end of this teaching session and we hope it was for you a teaching and an enlightening moment. We have so many other topics on our podcast that range from spiritual gifts to charisma to interpreting the Bible world and so many others. If you'd like to listen to any one of them, just look through our podcast catalog and find the topic that you'd love to learn. If you'd like to join us Sunday live on MixLR or on Zoom, all you need to do is go to our website, which is bit.ly forward slash bmglive4. That's the number four. Or you can look in the description and you will find the link to the website there. We hope you have a blessed week and continue to grow 
and progress with joy in your faith.